Welcome to Robertson Avenue Baptist Church. This is the day the Lord has made. We should rejoice and be glad in it. It is so good to see each and every one of you this morning. If I can get you to make your way to your seats, we'll begin. All right. have a lot of things happening at Robertson Avenue Baptist Church. I want to ask for your prayers in that. Ask for your consideration to be a part of that. And so some of those things coming up. Number one, today uh, at 430, we're having choir practice. So if you're interested in praising the Lord, you're interested in getting up there and making a joyful noise, then that's the place for you. Because we need some help in there. Somebody say amen. We need some folks in there singing. And I heard some wonderful people out there singing. Come and be a part of that. Sing with us. Praise God with us. And watch what God does in His house when we decide to get involved. Amen? All right. Uh, with that being said, I want to thank the youth group and those that uh, chaperoned it, taking the youth group out to uh, Safari yesterday. They came home just wore out. You know they did a good job. And I understand there was some camel kissing going on in there. So they had a, a, a camel at the safari, and so they got some videos of some of the youth kissing the camels there. And let me tell you, uh, that's enough to turn your stomach, amen? I once kissed a pig, but I will not kiss a camel. <laughs> now they had a great time, and uh, God bless you in doing that. So I guess the old saying was true, Missy took the animals to the zoo. And so maybe she could have left some of them there, you know? All right, so that's some things that have happened at RABC, and let me tell you what's coming up. If you're joining us via live stream this morning, you are welcome, and we want you to know that you are being loved and prayed for right now, and we want to ask you to consider coming down, being a part of Robertson Avenue, what Father God is doing right here in Copper's Cove. If you're visiting with us this morning in our sanctuary, we want to ask you to take the time to fill out a little visiting card you'll find in front of you, fill it out in the offering place, put places in the offering place, and come around so you can have a record of your visit. We would greatly appreciate that. All right, uh, so what's happening in Robertson Avenue other than choir practice today? Uh, coming up on May the 8th, we are having our annual garage sale or rummage sale, I think is what we're calling it this year. And so we're going to have some vendors there. We're going to uh, open up the tables of Fellowship Hall. So if you're interested in being a part of that, you need to get with Monica, our secretary, and reserve your tables. The tables are $10 a piece or 2 for 15 uh, For vendors, there are 15 and so that's going to happen on the 8th, and you can get in there and have all day Saturday to sell and put it out there. So come be a part of that. May 21st, we're going to have a fish fry, and that's going to start about 5.30, and those proceeds will also benefit Operation Fish and Sound as well. So will the, the garage sale uh, benefits will go there as well. Okay, I think that's what we have coming up in, in uh, early May, uh, but I want to keep your posted on our upcoming Vacation Bible School workshop. Please be in prayer about that. I think we need a few more aids and maybe a teacher or two, so consider being a part of that. You need to get with Teacher Rosalia to be a part of that as well. If you want to uh, volunteer and help in that as just an aid, we need all the help we can get, especially when it comes to decorating and feeding those kids. So come be a part of that. All right. Um, if you've noticed in your bulletin, we are hosting the Hope Center. They came out Saturday and had a training here, uh, excuse me, on Thursday and had a training here at Rock Avenue Baptist Church. They also dropped off their box of bottles. And so we're going to do our bottle, fill a bottle this year. So you fill a bottle of dilution change, you can change your life. Amen. So we want to support them and we want to pray for them and we want to uh, consider uh, taking that. Yes, ma'am. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So 
and not just loose change, loose cash as well. All right. You know, I used to have a saying, Sister Ann, back when the last church used to pastor, I would tell them, you know, don't lose weight. Go ahead and donate their clothes right there, right? So keep those things in mind and uh, prayerfully consider being a part of our uh, fill a bottle campaign, check, cash, change, millionaire change your life. That's a wonderful, wonderful cause. And I think that there is no more worthy a cause that the church can get a hold of than anti-abortion. Amen? We need to be a part of that, and we need to prayerfully consider supporting that in everything we do. All right. Uh, with that being said, I think that's all our upcoming events for uh, May. So please be in prayer about that. We always have something going on. That's a lot. And so, um, I think that's it. Oh, well, one more. May 30th. Fifth Sunday singing on the Sunday evening service. We're going to invite all the local area churches. And I want to ask you to come and be a part of that singing service as well. And perhaps you can bless us with one of your own songs. We get with Brother Robert about that. And let us know if you're interested in that. Fifth Sunday singing coming up. There will be a meal to go before the service. And it's going to be hamburgers and hot dogs. And uh, I believe that meal time is going to be 5 o'clock. Is that right, Nestor? So on Fifth Sunday singing. So. Uh, those are some things happening right there. With that being said, let's go to the Lord in prayer. And after we pray, we'll turn the service over to Brother Robert. Let's pray together. Father, come to now in Jesus' name. Thank you for the opportunity to gather in your house this morning. Would you bless us with a double portion of your spirit? Would you reach out and touch us, Lord? Let us know that you're here with us this morning. Open our hearts to hear from you, Father God, that we might worship you in truth and spirit. And I pray, Lord, that your spirit would move and have its way in each and every heart, that there would be revival there would be repentance, that there would be renewal, Lord, that there would be additions to your body. Lord, I'm praying that today would be a great day in the morning because of you. And I'm asking, Lord, you go with us now. I'm asking that your name would be glorified. Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good luck.
Well, good morning. Oh, my goodness. We've had revival already this morning, haven't we? You have your Bibles with you. Turn with me to the book of 1 Kings. 1 Kings. We're going to have a little bit of fun this morning. I want you to be uh, open-hearted. I want you to be open-minded. And it's my prayer that if you are not saved, that you will get saved this morning. I want you to know I'm coming after you. Amen? I am after you if you're not saved. So the title of this morning's message is The Lion, the Prophet, and the Donkey. The Lion, the Prophet, and the Donkey. We're in 1 Kings chapter 13. We're going to do a little bit of reading, not too much, but a little bit, and we'll give you a little bit of background of what's happening here. So look with me, 1 Kings 13, verse 1. The Bible says, And behold, a man of God went from Judah to Bethel by the word of the Lord, and Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. Then he cried out against the altar by the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus saith the Lord, Behold, a child, Josiah by name, shall be born to the house of David. And on you he shall sacrifice the priests to the high places who burn incense on you, and men's bones shall be burned on you. And he gave a sign the same day, saying, This is the sign which the Lord has spoken. Surely the altar shall split apart, and the ashes on it shall be poured out. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, shall we? Father, I come to you now in Jesus' name, and I want to thank you for the opportunity to gather together in your house. And I pray, Lord, as we look into your word, you would open it up to us, Father. You'd open up our hearts, Lord, and let us see what's inside there. And I pray, Father God, that you would speak to us. If there's anyone who needs to come to know you as personal Lord and Savior, or anyone, Father, who needs to get their heart right with you, their walk right with you, would you let today be that day? We give you the praise, honor, and glory, even now, in Jesus' name. Amen. So let me give you a little background of what's happening here. As you know, there's a new king in Israel. It has been taken away from the unified kingdom, and we now have two empires. We have the kingdom of Judah, and we have the kingdom of Israel, the northern kingdom. And Jeroboam has taken over those ten tribes of the northern kingdom. And he originally started out by saying, yes, I'll be faithful to the Lord. He was given those ten uh, tribes, if you will, in a very symbolic way. And immediately, the moment he took the throne, he began to become an idolater. Sounds like a politician today. Somebody say amen. So he began to be an idolater in church. Uh, he started ordaining priests left and right. I mean, anywhere he could and everywhere he could. Because he knew that his northern kingdom moving into Judah to worship at the altar, at the actual tabernacle, at the temple, if you will, at Solomon's temple, then that would unify the kingdom once again. So he had to create an institute of worship, an institute of religion, if you will, that kept his ten tribes away from the north, from the southern kingdom. Isn't it funny? Even to this day, people, when they sin, or people, when they get away from God, they want to keep you away from the people of God. Somebody say amen. Have you ever noticed that before? Because they know that God has a way of drawing people to Him. God has a way of fixing problems. God has a way of healing hearts. God has a way of changing people. Why? Because His Word will not come back void. And you know, Jeroboam understood this. Now, say what you want to say about Jeroboam. Say that he was foolish. Say that he was immature. Say that he was egotistical. But you can never call him stupid. He knew that the institute of worship inside of Israel as a whole would cause the, the kingdom to reunify. So he created a system of worship that kept the ten tribes away from Judah. He created a worship of Baal. He created a worship of Ashtoreth. This is King Jeroboam now. He's the first king of Israel. Uh, and he set these systems up. 
And so he created an altar, an altar which they would worship at, so they didn't have to go in to Jerusalem. This altar then created a situation where a prophet, it's an unknown prophet, shows up. We don't know his name. It says the Bible calls him a man of God. Adam Elohim, man of God. We don't know much about him, but he shows up and he prophesies against the altar. He says, altar, oh altar, you are going to be thrown down and men's bones are going to be burned upon you. You're going to split apart and your ashes are going to come out. And that really angered King Jeroboam. In fact, if you read the whole story, he takes his hand down and he points at the man of God and he says, arrest him. And the moment he does that, his hand withers. It withers. And then he has the audacity to say, oh man of God, pray for me that my arm, my hand will be restored. Isn't that just like the world? Well, you know, the prophet dies and his hand is given his health he invites the prophet, come and eat dinner with me. Well, the prophet reveals then the word of the Lord. He says, it is by the command of God that I've come to give this prophecy. It is by the command of God that I must leave a different way in which I've come. It is also by the command of God that I cannot eat with you nor drink with you. And so he hightails it the other way. He leaves the other way where he meets an older prophet. And that's enough background to get you started. It is an age of deception. It is a time where lies are prevalent, much like 2021 in the United States. Amen. Lies are everywhere. Scandals are coming everywhere. In fact, it's so scandalous that scandals have become the norm. There was riots. There was anarchy. There was mob rule. Does it sound familiar? And there was a lack the lack of morals which we are seeing now today. Let's take a look at verse 4 quickly now. For it came to pass when King Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God who cried out against the altar in Bethel that he stretched out his hand from the altar saying, Arrest him! Then his hand which he stretched out toward him withered so that he could not pull it back to himself. The altar also was split apart just as the prophet said. And the ashes poured out from the altar according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. And look with me in verse 6. And the king answered and said to the man of God, Please entreat the favor of the Lord your God and pray for me that my hand may be restored to me. So the man of God entreated the Lord and the king's hand was restored to him and became as before. Now, let's take a look at Jeroboam's confession. We know that his hand was withered and then, of course, he had the audacity to ask the prophet to pray for him so his hand would be restored. Then, church, he wanted to bring, if you'll read the rest of it, the prophet down to his house and reward him with a, a lush banquet. He wanted to bring the prophet home for dinner. And the prophet then informed everybody around him. Incidentally, that was not a small gathering. It wasn't 10, 12 people. It was the nation of Israel. They had gathered around to see Jeroboam perform a sacrifice that he proclaimed himself at a very special place called Bethel. If you want to know what happened at Bethel, you need to go back and find out why it was named Bethel. That's where the patriarch Jacob had his dream of the ladder and the angels coming down and descending up into heaven. That name Bethel means house of God. 
Jeroboam set up an altar there to Baal. Can you imagine that? He set it up there and he began to sacrifice when the man of God stood up in front of everybody. We need some prophets like that today. We need some people who aren't afraid to stand up to Islam, aren't afraid to stand up to the cults of today and say, Jesus Christ is Lord. He's the way, He's the truth, He's the life, and no other way is possible. We need that again. Jeroboam wanted everyone to see what he was doing. He then said, hey, come home and eat with me because we can be on the same page. And the prophet said, no, no, God commanded that I would not eat or drink with you. In fact, he told me not to come in the same way I'm going out. And that's exactly what happened. That was a picture here that you see of the man of God and King Jeroboam pointing at him. I wish you could focus in on his hand, but you can't. I wanted to show just a picture of a withered hand. But I think we can all get that in our mind's eye. What that hand might have looked like. Was it withered like leprosy? Was it withered as in frail, as in broken, as in small and now useless? We don't know. All we know is it was enough for Jeroboam to be safe from this. You know what else is my prayer? I pray that God would change something in our lives enough for us to say, somebody pray for me. I need the power of God in my life. Continuing on in our background a little bit, let's look at 1 Kings 13, verses 11 to 19 here. Now we're going to read just a second, like I said, uh, but let's take a look at this. Now an old prophet, this is verse 11, an old prophet. I need you to understand the verbology here. It's an old prophet. He's the one who held the office of prophet, if you will, and everybody respected him as a prophet. They thought of him as a prophet. When they talked about the prophet of God, they meant this man until the young prophet showed up. Doggone those whippersnappers, they have a way of showing up, don't they? Now an old prophet dwelt in Bethel, and his sons came and told him all the work that the man of God had done that day in Bethel. Why didn't that man show up? Well, you can probably already start guessing why. There was a little bit of jealousy there, isn't there? That young guy's going to come and take my job. He's going to come and take my place. He's going to come and steal the respect I have. This old prophet dwelt in Bethel, and you can understand why he chose Bethel. It's a very significant place. His sons came and told him all the work that the man of God had done that day in Bethel. They also told their father the words which he had spoken to the king. That means they told the father that the man of God cannot eat with the king, nor can he eat or drink with the king. He can't eat or drink here. He must leave in a different way he came in. Look at verse 12. His father said to them, Which way did he go? For his sons had seen which way the man of God went. He came from Judah. Then he said to his sons, Saddle the donkey for me. So they saddled the donkey for him, and he rode on it. Verse 14. He went after the man of God and found him sitting under an oak. Then he said to him, Are you the man of God who came from Judah? And he said, I am. He said to him, Come home with me and eat bread and he said, I cannot return with you, nor go in with you. Neither can I eat bread nor drink water with you in this place. For I have been told by the word of the Lord, you cannot eat bread nor drink water there, but return by going the way you came. He said to him, I too am a prophet as you are. And, and we know this is a whopper, don't we? An angel spoke to me 
by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back with you to your house, that he may eat bread and drink water. He was lying to him. The Bible says that. He was lying to him. So he, the prophet, went back with him and ate bread in his house and drank water. What happened? What happened to that prophet where he had heard the word of the Lord? He heard his voice. And we pray for that on a daily basis, don't we? God, speak to me. God, reveal to me what you want. God, just let me know your will. I want to hear your voice. This man heard the voice of God. And you know what? He's able to be deceived by this older prophet. What happened? Let's find out what happened. Look at me in verse 23. The Bible says, So it was after he had eaten bread and after he had drunk, that he saddled the donkey for him. I love that old prophet. Well, now, let me just saddle the donkey for you. The prophet whom he had brought back. When he was gone, a lion met him on the road. Now, if you'll give a little bit more in the backstory, the, the old prophet actually gets a revelation of God. He says, oh, you've despised the word of the Lord. You've disobeyed what God has commanded you, and you will not be buried in your father's tomb. And you know what? Look here in verse 24. When he was gone, a lion met him on the road and seized him. And his corpse was thrown on the road, and the donkey stood by it. Stood by the corpse. Look what else the Bible says there. The lion also stood by the corpse. Now get this picture in your mind's eye of a dead prophet in the road, a donkey on one side, and a lion on the other. At that hour, something miraculous. Find out. Look at me in verse 25. And there, men passed by and saw the corpse thrown on the road, and the lion standing by the corpse. Then they went and told it in the city where the old prophet dwelt. Now, when the prophet who had brought him back from the way heard it, he said, It is the man of God who is disobedient to the word of the Lord. This is the old prophet. Now he's saying that this man was disobedient to the Lord. I wonder if he's wiping his brow saying, Phew, saved my job another day. Or I wonder if he's saying, my goodness, I had to fix his little red wagon. I had to teach him the way things are. When the prophet who had brought him, when verse 26, back to the way he heard it, he said, it is the man of God who was disobedient to the word of the Lord. Therefore the Lord has delivered him to the lion, which has torn him and killed him, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke to him. And we have a picture here of the lion and the donkey. I know what you're already thinking. Josh, that prophet doesn't look like the other prophet you showed up. Well, sorry. It's hard to find that picture. <laughs> so let's take a look now at our characters, if you will, in our story. The lion. He is the king of beasts. I don't know about you, but I love lions. When I was growing up, they came out with some wonderful movies. Perhaps you've seen it. There was one called The Lion King. Do you remember it? Don't start singing the circle of lions. I know it was going through your mind because when I started putting the sermon together, that's what came out. The circle. I was like, stop, stop, stop. I had to rebuke that in the name of the Lord. The lion, the king of beasts. You know, he holds him up and says, Simba, king of beasts. What was that lion like? Think. Was it a hard life like ours? Was it stressful? 
You know, we've often said that, man, if I could only be a dog. You don't really want to be a dog. They have more stress than you think. Could you imagine not being able to scratch your own back? Could you imagine what that would be like? Or be able to express what was bothering you, what upset you. Or better yet, not even understanding why it's bothering you. But this lion was the king of beasts. I wonder what his life was like. He went about hunting and roaring, because you know lions love to roar, and eating. And so God spoke to him that day. God spoke to him, and I will remember what the words were. I have a place for you to be. I have a place for you to be. I have a person for you to see. I have a person for you to punish to me. Don't eat them, though. Just kill them. I wonder what that message would have been like if God spoke to that lion. Now let's take a look at our second character, the donkey. He's stubborn, isn't he? That's what donkeys are known for. Stubborn, strong-willed, independent. I wonder what his life was like, being a strong-willed, bragging donkey. I wonder what it was like all those years to say, no, I ain't going to somebody make all those years of carrying crosses, all those years of carrying burdens, all those years of being misunderstood or put to the spirit. But today, God spoke. I wonder what that message would have been like. You will carry this prophet. The prophet will be killed, and you will stand there obediently, like you've always been. Look at the young prophet. God describes him as a man of God. A God of Queen. Man of God. What a wonderful description. When I die, if Jesus hasn't returned, you know what I want on my tombstone? He was a man of God. This was a man of God. The Bible declares that. I wonder what his life was like. He was obedient. He knew the voice of the Lord. He heard Him and could recognize God's voice. If only we could do that as a church today. If only we knew the truth of God's voice. Do you remember the stories in the Bible? How Elijah was looking for the voice of the Lord. He went up on the mountain. He saw the fire and God wasn't in it. He saw the storm. God wasn't in it. He saw the earthquake. God wasn't in it. But church, still small. voice that said to the lion, go here. That voice that said to the donkey, stand there. And that voice that told that prophet, go and prophesy against the altar. Go and tell Jeroboam what you're doing is That prophet was obedient. He was trustworthy. And still, Bethel is also often known and also called Luz or Luz. And it was a tremendous south region. It had all the modern factories in it. I wonder what his life was like when he became.
became known as the prophet of Bethel. Perhaps he had children who married there. And perhaps it settled down there and he began to be just like those people there. As he began to be just like them, fit in with them, he began to act like them, he began to talk like them, he began to think like them, he began to justify his sin just like them. Are you, are you following me? What was his life like? He had children. Of course, we know he wasn't above lying to the man of God. What's surprising is that the man of God did not know it was a lie. You know what was really surprising? That Adam and Eve didn't know what the serpent was telling was a lie. Amen? You can see how it catches us all, right? He did not know it was a lie. This old prophet lied without batting an eye. He said, God, that was the future of politicians right there. Go like this. He said, what's your problem with politicians? Let me tell you right now, all politicians are liars. They lie to stay elected. They lie to stay in office. And it doesn't matter what political spectrum they come from. They want to stay in power. And we, the people, need to understand that who's in charge is God Almighty. That's all it's ever been. And we need to hold those elected officials accountable to the standard that's in this book. Amen? When we quit doing that, then we start living like that old prophet. We start saying, well, everybody else is doing it. Well, we'll fit right in. And pretty soon we start telling people what God said when God didn't say it. The old prophet. What was his life like? He had children, which implies he must have had a wife sooner or later. Perhaps he was gone. Perhaps he was widowed. Perhaps he had enough of them and left. He was happy being there until he heard the song. God working that morning. It changed the way he thought. So, what's the point of my sermon? What's the point? Well, let's talk a little bit about lions and donkeys. The title of this morning's message is The Lion, the Prophet, and the Donkey. And so, we want to look at those three people, not in great detail, but just in a little bit as we walk spiritually down the road. Ask the Father of God, are we lion-like, are we donkey-like, or are we old prophet-like? What's the point, you say, God? Lion! This lion was extremely ferocious in my mind, God. He was ferocious enough to jump out and kill a prophet of God. What does it take to kill a prophet? I don't know. You ever tried to kill David? That's right. David weren't trying to hear him. We often think of David as some teeny tiny little wimp. No, no, no. He's the giant killer. He's the psalm writer. He is the preacher of Israel. Somebody's got to get excited up in here. David was no wimp. He was a warrior statesman. He had no problem meeting the Philistines at their own ground. He had no problem telling them, you will come this far and no further. Oh, we need that conviction again in our lives. We need that in Copper's Cove. We need that in the state of Texas. We need that in the nation of the United States. We need to stand up and say, you can go this far and no more. The lion was ferocious. And church, you know what else he did? He sat right there by that dead prophet, obedient. How many dogs do you have that won't?
don't eat something when you turn your back. He said, well, I got a dog that does that. Well, you don't have a lion that will do it for that. This lion, this lion sat right there by the dead prophet. He sat there obediently, church, and he didn't eat him. He didn't even take a bite out of him. He just killed him and sat there. And everybody came by and everybody walked by. Eventually, the old prophet actually goes by and picks up the dead body of the prophet. And the lion is still sitting there. That's the point. We need to become lion-like in our obedience. When God speaks, we do it. And we don't do anything else until He speaks again. Somebody say amen. It's time for us to become lions in our faith. It's time for us to roar. It's time for us to stand up against hypocrisy. It's time for us to start slaying some false prophets. It's time for us to say enough is enough. And we're going to be lions in the house of God again. Oh, my goodness. This lion was obedient. When God spoke, he listened. He stopped what he was doing. He stopped roaring. You know, we call him the king of beasts for a reason. He let down his royal pride and bowed down to the king of kings. We need that in our lives today. He stood still by that dead prophet. I want you to think now in your mind, God, the lion of the tribe of Judah. Why does Jesus prefer to be called a lion? Even though we see him oftentimes riding in on a donkey. Why do you want to be called a lion? Because lions are ferocious. Because lions are obedient. Because the lion, when he heard God's voice, he obeyed. And Jesus said, I always do what my father tells me. A lion of the tribe of Judah. A lion indeed. What's the point? Let's look at that second one. The prophet, he was deceived. Why? Why was he deceived? Now, we can't really put it all together. We can get a mind-eye thought here. What happened is that old prophet heard there's a new prophet in town, and you better act now if you want to keep your job, buddy. How many pastors are that way when evangelists come around? How many evangelists are that way when young preachers come around? How many college professors are that way? How many Bible school teachers? How many Sunday school teachers? This young guy full of fire shows up, and they're like, whoa. Let me tell a whopper. God said, don't do that. Well, I guess I need amen to the Baptist church. Am I preaching to you or what this morning? What's the point? The prophet, the old prophet. We can probably figure out what's happening in his heart as he says, I've got to do something as long as I keep my prestige and my position in this town. He shows up, finds that prophet sitting under an oak tree. He was looking hard for him. He had to find him sitting down in an oak tree. Could you imagine what kind of scouting that took? He had to find him. And after he found him relaxing there, he's like, are you the man of God? Please understand that greeting. Are you the man of God? Are you the Adam Elohim that was pronouncing judgment on Jeroboam's altar? Are you that man? And he says, I am. Of course, he says, well, I'm a prophet too. In other words, you and I are equal. Wrong, though. You and I are equal. And look at that. You're just like me. I'm just like you. No. If the old prophet had been just like the young prophet, then God would have sent the old prophet. Somebody say amen. No. He wasn't like him. In fact, he was a little bit different. I'm a prophet just like you. 
I'm a prophet too. And I want you to know that God spoke to me through an angel. Let me tell you, there's plenty of YouTube prophets today that are going out saying God is speaking to us. If you'll stay in this right here, you'll never go wrong. If you'll start listening to those YouTube prophets, you're going to find yourself wondering what happened when a lion jumps out and bites your head off. Why was he deceived? And why was he held at fault? The Bible tells us we need to test the spirit. The Bible tells us we need to know the voice of the great shepherd. The Bible tells us that we should be able to know the difference between when God speaks and when man speaks. The Bible tells us that we should be able to look into the eyes of someone who says they're a Christian and be able to understand by judging by the fruit that they bear. If you were to look at the fruit that old prophet bore, what did he bear? He bore nothing. There was nothing there. There was nothing on that tree. There might have been a whole bunch of green leaves, but there was no fruit. And you're going to find out that false Christians, false converts, false prophets will try to impress you with leaf shaking all the time. Look at me. I'm a prophet like you. Look at what I'm doing. I'm here to shake my leaves. Look how beautiful they are. Look how green they are. You don't care about leaves. You care about fruit. Amen? Say, show me the fruit. I want to see a banana. I want to see a pineapple. I want to see. You know what I really want to see? Cherries. Amen? I want to see coconuts. I want to see some fruit on that tree. I don't care about how lush and green those leaves are. I want to see fruit. And this young prophet was deceived. Why was he deceived? Because somewhere in his mind's eye, somewhere in his heart of hearts, he decided that this person would speak for God. You cannot let anybody take the place of God in your life. There's only one God, Jesus Christ. He was deceived because he allowed this old man to stand up in place of God. That's why he's at fault. He should have known better. He heard the voice of the living God. What a test those spirits. What a test them in the nose. You know what? Let's take a look at that old prophet again. What's the point? Let's look at jealous old prophet. He was sinful, perhaps. Perhaps not too sinful. We do know that he was mixed right into society around him. How many of you know what the Bible says? Christ hath no fellowship with Belial. How many of you know that we're not supposed to be friends of the world? By doing so, we make ourselves enemies of God. We're supposed to tell the world we're different. We're not a part of you. We're set up, cut above you. And if you want to come here, you need to be one with Jesus Christ. And this old prophet got jealous. Because life made him likable, made him popular, made him acceptable into a world of sin. But, but, let me tell you, there's a big but right there. There's always a but when it comes to God, amen? God likes big buts. Have you ever read some of those buts in the Bible? <laughs> you ever read some of those buts? Let me give you a for instance here, Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but... But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. That is a huge but, amen. There you see the difference there. It's like what's on the other hand, which is a good Greek concept. Men is the Greek word. One of these days I'm going to do a Bible study for you on it. On the other hand. Look with me in 1 Kings 13. Look with me in verse 26. We'll do a little bit more reading as we look at that big but here. 
Verse 26. Now when the prophet who had brought him back from the way heard it, he said, It is the man of God who is disobedient to the word of the Lord. Therefore the Lord has delivered him to the lion, which has torn him and killed him according to the word of the Lord, which he spake to him. He knows that because God used him to give that message. Verse 27. He spoke to his son, saying, Saddle the donkey for me. So they saddled it. Verse 28. Then he went and found his corpse thrown on the road, and the donkey and the lion standing by the corpse. The lion had not eaten the corpse, nor torn the donkey. That is one obedient lion. Amen? You can't even get your house cat to quit tearing up your house. Could you imagine that lion? Look at verse 29. And the prophet took up the corpse of the man of God, laid it on the donkey, brought it back. So the old prophet came to the city to mourn and to bury him. He laid the corpse in his own tomb, and they mourned over him. Notice what it says in verse 30. They, not he, they, they mourned over him. That implies the city saw what he was doing. The city knew what he was doing. And the city heard his message. This is the man of God who was disobedient to the word of the Lord. And they mourned over him, saying, Alas, my brother. Look at verse 31. So it was that he had buried him. that he spoke to his son, saying, When I am dead, then bury me in the tomb where the man of God is buried. Lay my bones beside his bones. For the same which he cried out by the word of the Lord against the altar in Bethel and against all the shrines on the high places which are in the cities of Samaria will surely come to pass. The old prophet began to tell everyone in town, they will surely come to pass. So I'm going to ask you a question. How did that old prophet get his story in the Bible? How did that happen? How did that happen? Why is it important for God to show us that old prophet when we are already condemning him? When the first time I read that story as a young Christian, I put the finger of blame on that old prophet and said, you liar. We know who the father of lies is. Amen? We know who was working in his heart. It's very seldom that I want to point the finger of blame at the young prophet who decided that God might have a different voice, that God might be different and wrong. Wrong. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The old prophet began to tell everyone in town. How did his story get in the Bible? Well, he began telling everyone. See, the prophet began finally to see. What did he begin to see? Did you see that picture of that lion sitting there next to that dead prophet? And on the other side, you see that donkey there sitting there? Not even running away from the lion. That's one heck of a donkey. He wasn't scared. You get a donkey in the field nowadays, he gets scared at a loud voice. You get a donkey in the field, he wants to run away. This donkey stood there by that dead prophet, obedient, faithful, and true. And God is looking for faithfulness to his servants right now. We need you at Robertson Avenue Baptist Church. Father, God is looking for faithful and true people to man his pulpit. God is looking for faithful and true people to start teaching the Sunday school classes. Father, God is looking for faithful and true people who will reach out to this lost and dying world to start bringing the truth of Jesus Christ to a world that has lied and lived in a lie with false prophets everywhere they go. God's looking for them. Look with me in Romans 8.28. How did the prophet start to see? Romans 8.28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Oh, my goodness. This old prophet began to finally see. What did he see in that picture of that lion 
of that dead prophet, of that donkey. What did he see? Can I ask you a better question? Did he see me? You say, well, Pastor, I was hoping you'd tell me. For a small fee of nineteen ninety I'll do that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. What is the question? Well, I'd love to tell you, oh, there's a great, and there is some messianic pictures in there. you got a lion, you got a dead prophet, you got a donkey there. The picture's amazing. That's not what we're going to spend this time on. The picture is amazing. It's a picture of Jesus Christ. It's a picture of the Lion of the tribe of Judah. What does that mean? John 5.22 tells us, All judgment has been given to the Son. And that Lion was called to judge the man of God. You already see the picture. Say amen. Revelation 5 verse 5 tells us that Jesus is the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And all judgment has been given to him. All of it. Not part of it. Not some of it. Not in the future. No. All of it has been given to the Son. All judgment. I want to take you now to Psalm 2 and verse 12. It's a song of David who writes out his son. Psalm 2 and verse 12 says, Kiss the Son. When's the last time you've been right to Jesus? When's the last time you've kissed Him with allegiance? When's the last time you've kissed Him in worship? When's the last time you've given your heart to Him? When's the last time you've truly offered the sacrifice of praise? When's the last time you've cried out, Father, forgive me. Lord, I have been misled by false voices. What did that prophet see? As he looked at that dead holy man, whom he received, as he began to go back into town, he said, and I quote, His sayings will surely come to pass. This is the man of God who prophesied, and they will come to pass. What did he begin to see as he looked at his life? Could you imagine what he did when he looked back at his life? What did I just teach my children? They were there at the table with me when they heard me lie to that old that young prophet. When they heard me fib to him saying, God told me this. You ever said that before? You ever done that before? You know, I meet people like that all the time. Say, Pastor, God told me this. I'm like, did he? Did he? God told me that. I was in prayer and God revealed this to me. Did he? Be careful with that. The Bible has strong warnings about speaking presumptuously in the name of of the Lord. Strong warning. But what did this prophet see? Because he was a prophet. God spoke to him. Of course, I want to remind you that God once spoke to a donkey, didn't he? To another madman prophet. That's one named Baal. Baalim. He was a prophet of Baal. And God spoke to him to a donkey. God spoke to the clouds once to a bunch of people, didn't he? God spoke to Elijah in a still
John Wesley is one who helped almost single-handedly bring about some of the He was an amazing man of God, an amazing preacher. Let me tell you what John Wesley wrote. Man. He wrote to one of his students. He said, preach 90% law and 10% praise. The student wrote back and said, this seems pretty heavy. I'm paraphrasing that. Could it be 50-50? John Wesley said, they will never come to the cross until they understand the holiness of God. That's the problem in the church today. We preach the grace that is cheap. We preach the grace that isn't worth going for. We think that it's what gives us our self-esteem wrong. What gives you your self-esteem is that God thinks you're worth dying for, even though you're a sinner. That's self-esteem. He thinks I'm worth dying for, even though I've messed up everything. Just like that old just like him. I've lied. I've stolen. I've created a God in my own image. I have spoke presumptuously in the name of the Lord. And now I'm picking up dead people with lions and donkeys to run the spot. What about the Back into John Wesley's house, into the kitchen. The student was not there. He went into the living room. The student was not there. He went upstairs. The student was a smaller house. He said, Well, it doesn't sound small, two stories. Well, they compressed everything to size of the two. So instead of building out, they built out. He went upstairs and found John Wesley's bedroom. Well, they had spent much time talking about John Wesley's prayer habits. And next to John Wesley's bed, there is to this day. Warm Hebrews in the carpet that he would move power in prayer. And he would pray, God, bring revival to the United States. God, bring revival to Great Britain. God, use me. And there he found that seminary student. And he was praying with all his heart. He said, God, do it again and do it with me this time. Who was that student? Billy Graham. We need preachers who will get on their knees again and say, God, do it again with me. I know there's lions out there. I know there's donkeys out there. I know there's false prophets out there. But use me. Bring revival again. What did that old prophet see? You know what he saw? When he looked at that dead young prophet and he looked at his wife, he said, what a mess I made. He began to understand something about he began to understand the grace, the mercy, the peace. As he looked at the lion of judgment and he looked at the donkey of peace, he began to see the dead prophet in the midst. He said, There's a sacrifice that's coming. There's a sacrifice in between the lion of righteousness and the donkey that will carry me into heaven. There's a sacrifice. And I'm beginning to see that sacrifice isn't just a prophet, that sacrifice is the Son of God. And he began to look at that message that he said, that mess he made of his life, and he began to say, God could take my mess and he could turn it into a message. Go back and look in the Scriptures again. He goes back into town and he says, the whatever that man of God says will surely come to pass. He could turn my mess into this message and he could turn your mess into a message this morning. You know what else he did? He took the test of that old jealous prophet and he turned it into a 
He took the trials and tribulations and turned them into a triumph, even though He failed bitterly. That's why He's in the Bible today. He took a victim and showed it as victory. Only God can do that. And you might be sitting here this morning saying, Pastor, Brother Joshua, my life is a mess. My home's a war zone. I fight with my wife. I fight with my husband. I fight with my children. I lie to them. Can God turn my mess into a message? You know what the answer is? Yes. You might say, Pastor, I get tested every day. Can God turn my test into a testimony? You better believe He can. He can take your story and turn it into a testimony any day. I'm being tried everywhere I go. God is trying me. The devil is trying me. God can turn your trials into triumph. Take a look at the message that was there. I know you've been victimized. It's popular to be a victim nowadays, isn't it? There's money in it. All i got to do is be victimized. No, we're all going to be the victim of sin in the coming future. We are all going to meet that lion unless he comes to the Lion of the tribe of Judah, whom all judgment has been given to. And he always does those things which please the Father. And you better do what Psalm 2 and verse 12 says. You better kiss the Son, lest you be angry with you in the way and you perish. He can turn a victim into victory. Where are you? Have you been sitting there in the pews all this time saying, I got a mess? Let God turn that mess into a mess. I'm saying, Pastor, I've got trials. Let God turn your trials into trials. Pastor, I'm a victim. Let God turn your victimhood into victory. Would you be willing to come to meet Jesus today? Or perhaps you might be saying, I need a place to be a member of. I need a place to plug in. I need to be one of those people that worships and serves the living God. Would you be willing to come down the aisle today and say, God's calling me to welcome them. Don't lie now. God is calling you. Come and be a part of it. Don't let the Holy Spirit be breathed and perfect those things you mean not today. Would you be willing to come? Surrender to Him today. Be mine. Be a donkey. Be obedient. Let's close in a word. Father, I come to you now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord God, for your word. And I pray that you take charge of this time. If there be anybody that needs to come to know you as personal Lord and Savior, if there be anybody that needs to get their heart right with you, their walk right with you, their relationship with you, would you let today be the day they come to do it now? We give you the praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' holy name. Come as we sing the dazzling. Would you come?
Come on. Let now be the time. Let today be the day.